Integrity is not like being tall or blonde. It's a job you try to do every day. Nail by nail, relationship by relationship. Welcome to Pro Tradecraft's Career Toolbox. I'm Fernando Pajes, and I'm here to help you turn your day job into a career. Today's guest is David Gerstel, a former general contractor and author of numerous books and magazine articles on running construction businesses. In my early 20s, I was working for a contractor and doing side jobs. I liked the side jobs. I made more money and I enjoyed taking charge of the project. Eventually, these side jobs became my main job and I found myself unwittingly becoming a contractor, whereupon I began to learn a new trade, the business trade, and I made many mistakes. Then an article came out in a popular magazine and it changed my life. How to run a successful construction company by David Gerstel, my guest today. This article provoked a change in mindset. It made me take an important step in my life. The article advised trading the toolbox for a briefcase, the hammer for a calculator, and the saw for a spreadsheet. The concept of briefcase as my new toolbox and business as a new set of trade skills launched me into a new stage in life where I took these skills and the new toolbox that I have very seriously and began to learn and enjoy them the way that I had enjoyed learning to hang a door, learning to nail trim without leaving a mark, learning how to frame. Essentially, I took it on with that same love of craft with which I had done the actual construction. David, whom you'll hear from here in just a minute, is not much older than I am, but I've always regarded him as a mentor. His book that came out by the same name, How to Run a Successful Construction Company, remains today a bestseller. It's a little outdated. I mean, it's been like 30 years or more, but it contains all the essentials needed to go from tradesperson to business person. You'll have to add some computer skills and social media marketing, but that's about it. So here's David Gerstel, sage of success and advisor to the construction industry. Good morning, David. Thank you for joining us at the Pro Tradecraft Career Toolbox. Good morning, Fernando. Good morning. What what inspired you to pursue a career in construction? You know, it wasn't as if I was struck by inspiration. I kind of was stumbling along in a direction that I'd chosen, and I happened to get lucky and turn a corner and find construction. I finished college, and I resisted some professors who wanted to send me along in academic careers. I told them, I, you know, I don't want to continue doing this for now at least. I, I want to learn to work with my hands. I had really no idea what that meant. I had never worked with my hands beyond delivering newspapers. I think I had the idea I wanted to do physical work because I was an athlete in college, not very high level, small division three. And I wanted a, a work life, a way of life, which incorporated physical activity. And I somehow had the romantic notion that working with my hands would fulfill that desire. So I headed off to learn to work with my hands. And I got a little lucky in that I encountered the trades. And I was trying a bit of this one and that one, electrical, sheet metal. And then I got really lucky. I became friends with two guys. And they were incredible carpenters, brilliant artists, as well as fantastic craftsmen. And at one point, one of them said to me, look, Dave, stop tinkering around. Just stick with carpentry. And he said, here's why. You're going to eventually be a lead carpenter. You're going to have to work hard to get there because you're not super talented, but you will get there. And you're going to like that role because the lead carpenter runs the job. And I know you, Dave, you're not going to be happy unless you're running things. 
he was right. And I stuck with carpentry. It was a pretty hard path. I had to work through a couple of really severe recessions where there was almost no work available. But eventually I got to the point I was a pretty good carpenter, and that led to my being a general contractor, really as a way to find work. And here we are today. Ain't that the truth? Many of us get into general contracting just as a way to find work, hiring ourselves to create a pipeline of steady income. But hiring ourselves may not always be hiring the most qualified person for the job because we typically know nothing about starting or running a business when we set out. As you went from carpenter to business person, what were some of the hardest or most surprising transitional steps from wearing nail bags to running a business? There was really only one. I'll preface by saying once I got going, probably everything was hard in a sense, but I like hard if I didn't like that, I wouldn't be where I am today. It's in a way a good habit. In a way, it's a liability, but that's the way I'm built. Um, the hard thing was realizing, hey, you could give this a try. You could do it. And I thank my wife for delivering that understanding. Basically, I was unemployed. I was a union carpenter. Unemployment down at the union hall was in the high 90s, and I wasn't going to be one of the guys who was going to be working. That was for sure. I wasn't far enough along. My skills were not enough developed to be in that small group who would continue to enjoy employment. And I really didn't know what to do. And my wife said to me, well, why don't you get your license and become a general contractor? And I, I resisted the idea. I mean, I, I had no inclination toward being a business person. So it just seemed to be in a, uh, you know, a world that I, I couldn't even begin to approach. But she said, look, you know, there's something like 5 million contractors in the United States, and you've probably got enough moxie to become number 5 million in one, so why don't you give it a shot? And I did. And once I got going, well, again, I got lucky. I mean, I chanced in to fabulous mentors. Particularly importantly, I chanced into a pair of books by a guy who was really, really good at bidding and estimating. He worked in the commercial world, not the world that I worked in, but from his books, I got a framework for bidding and estimating, which I think is the real heart of any construction business. It's a skill you must have. Got me going in the direction of developing my own systems, and that eased my way from the beginning. I knew how to stay out of bad jobs, and I knew how to get the numbers right. Or I should say I learned how to stay away from bad jobs, steer toward good ones, and get the numbers right on the jobs that I did take on. That's an interesting aspect of the construction and remodeling professions because most other products or services are priced after the fact. You know exactly what it costs to build an iPhone because you've already built a prototype and you know how to have a profit built in because you've added it to the cost and you know what your costs are. But you're kind of always living in the future in construction, aren't you? Always trying to figure out what your costs are going to be and then giving a price based on something that you haven't constructed What yet. you're saying is true. But the, the goal for developing estimating and bidding skills or bidding and estimating skills is and should be toward moving as far as you can toward the kinds of conditions that you enjoy when you're trying to price manufactured products. And I think there are ways of doing that. I mean, basically, you have to learn to get complete, accurate subcontractor costs that can be done. I have a whole chapter on doing that and forms which allow one to do that. You must particularly get good at nailing the numbers for your own forces, your own crew, your employees. You can get to that also using and developing what I call labor productivity records. Now, unfortunately, very, very, very few to none guys in our industry do that, at, at least at our level, at the residential level. I interviewed about 100 guys for my book, Fernando. One of them, one of them had actually gone to the trouble of systematically nailing down productivity numbers for his crew members. Guess who that was? 
it was you. You were the only one. It was, I was astonished by that. And finally, you have to be able to accurately allocate overhead to each of your projects. And that's a somewhat controversial subject, but I think there's a way you can do that very reliably. And again, I outlined that in the book. So my elevator pitch is learn to systematically pick your sub-cost, crew costs, overhead, relying on the past, as you say, relying on records of the past, or relying on people to produce the numbers for you, hopefully on the basis of their past experience. That would be the subcontractors, but whatever they're relying on, set it up so they have to stick with the numbers they give you. There's no way out. They mm-hmm. can't tell you, hey, I left that out of my estimate, so you have to pay for it. So there you are. I mean, that's kind of the nub of it for me. Um, and I like your point about, you know, the difference between guessing the future and estimating based on the past. The goal in construction estimating must be toward producing accurate numbers based on past experience. Should carpenters on job sites right now develop new skills towards becoming a GC or learning estimating? Absolutely. I mean, if, if you were to advise a young person to do that, you'd be giving them fantastic advice. This is a bit self-serving, because I like selling my book. I love it when people buy it and make use of it. I don't make much money on it, but that's not important to me anymore. My advice is buy the book, read the chapters on labor productivity records, Start making records of your own productivity, meaning how long it took you to hang three doors, for example, of a certain type, or install door hardware of a certain type, or frame up 46 feet of wall. Start building those records for your own productivity right now. That will give you an incredible leg up when you go on your own. I actually advised one of my former apprentices to do that, and he did it, and it has benefited him enormously as he started off in his own contracting career. He's come out of the shoots like a, you know, a Kentucky Derby winner. One estimating pitfall that I've actually fallen into is to use what I think it should take me to do the job rather than what it actually will take me to do the job. That's akin to what I like to call the best day trap. You know, you're estimating a project, you're feeling really good about getting the project, you've just had your shot of caffeine, your spirits are up, you figure out how many hours you're going to need on a particular job to form, say, 186 feet of of stem wall foundation, and uh, you inevitably go back to your memory of your best day. And, of course, you only get to have your best day once, just like, you know, Kobe only scored 85 points once. He had his best day only once. You don't want to use your memory of your best day as a way of forecasting what your crew is going to achieve on their regular days. That's That's a pitfall. Is there something that carpenters who are looking to turn their day jobs into careers should be doing every single day? Read. Read everything you can get your hands on. Read fine home building, cover to cover every month. Read Journal of Light Construction, cover to cover every month. Make use of the Journal of Light Construction archives, which is an incredible resource. And particularly pay attention to the articles, by the way, by Paul Eldrenkamp. He hasn't written for them for a while, but his articles are wondrous. You might find my articles of some help. They're more recently published. There's about a dozen of them. But read, and read beyond the industry literature. Read Harvard Business Review. Read Atlantic Monthly. You know, read the really smart guys who are trying to understand the way in which the world is changing and where we're heading. Get a hold of a really good newsletter about macroeconomics, namely articles about how the economy is operating globally, where it's heading, what kind of shifts are taking place. Read, read, read. And if you can find some smart people to read, have coffee with them and talk and test your ideas against one another's. Great advice. I might also throw in there that reading or listening to pro tradecraft and professional remodeler are worthwhile endeavors, too.
So I was saving one question about job interviews that I like to ask because hiring is really an art and, and I like to peek inside the minds of people whom I respect to see how they go about things. What is your favorite interview question to ask? I really scratched my head about that. And then I thought, well, I'm going to have to work backwards toward an answer and I'm going to need some help from you. Okay. Because I can't think of the question, but I can remember my favorite interview answer. My favorite ever interview answer is integrity is not like being tall or blonde. It's a job you try to do every day, nail by nail, relationship by relationship. Now, that answer appeared in an interview you did with me, and you gave me credit for stating that answer. If I did, that's the only poetic thing I've ever said in my life. <laughs> I remember. Uh the question was, how do you turn your work into a life's career? And the answer is minute by minute, nail by nail, relationship by relationship, and book by book, or podcast by podcast, as the case may be. Today's homework is to begin tracking your productivity for various general tasks like framing, walls, setting doors, or installing vanities, and read like crazy. Career Toolbox is a production of STC Horizon Media Network. I'm your host, Fernando Pajes, and the show is produced by Dan Morrison.